Okay, guys, so we are in a new series tonight, and if I have not met you, my name is Travis, and I'm one of the pastors here at M12. I'm excited for you to be here. I think this is going to be a really cool night. There, This series that we're jumping into called What Was I Thinking is something that will be supremely valuable for us. Because I believe that we all, no matter what we believe, we could be in here and we could, we could, we could have a very small idea about who God is. Maybe we're just kind of like figuring that out for the first time. But over these three weeks, this is an expansion of our ideas about God. That he is more powerful than we think. That he is more present in your lives than you think. And that he is more loving and forgiving and caring than you think. So as we unpack this over the next couple of weeks, man, I think this is a really, cool, uh, a really cool thing to learn, especially as you're forming your idea about who God is and you're learning about all that he's done, and especially coming off a great weekend like Easter a couple weeks ago, where we learned, maybe you learned the gospel or heard it for the first time that Jesus loved you so much that he would die on a cross to be a sacrifice for your sins, and then he would rise again, showing that sin and, and death couldn't, couldn't keep a hold of him. And that's the hope that we have. And so we jump in this series, What Was I Thinking?, with this idea of that, that God is more powerful than we think, that our thoughts might not be big enough about who God is. And so I hesitate to ask this question because I know what happens when we ask rhetorical questions in this room, but... I'm not going to ask for your hand being raised because I know the answer is 100% yes, but everyone in this room, I would, I would think, loves pranks. All right, two people. Man, this was awesome because, like, nobody said anything. I love it. Four girls like pranks, and all the guys are super skeptical because I don't know where this is going. I don't care. Listen, here's... I was going to prank you guys by saying, hey, we're all going to have donuts or something afterwards, but that would have been super mean, and that's not happening anyway. But... Listen, I, I, think, I think if you get stuck in a YouTube vortex of prank TV shows, you're going to laugh. Like, when I was growing up, there was this show called Punked that was <laughs> long, long time ago, back when TVs had those little dials you had to crank from station three and four. But, that's kidding, that's a joke. But, there's a couple prank shows that are on right now, and one that I pulled a clip, to, I pulled a clip of because I think that it... It will help explain a little bit about that, that there are times in our lives where we have irrational thoughts because we're caught up in emotion of the moment. So in this video that is from a, a show called Walk the Prank. So, yeah, I, I, I legitimately, I haven't heard about this show until like a couple days ago getting caught in a YouTube vortex, like I said. So there is a babysitter that is watching a child on Walk the Prank, and she's reading him a bedtime story about a pig man, a man who is half pig, half man. And so we all in this room know that one, that doesn't exist. But what happens if maybe you thought it didn't exist, but something like this happened? So take a look at this video. <laughs> okay. There are, so many, there are so many things that happen in that video that don't make sense. First of all, that kid's way too old to be getting a bedtime story. Second, you can imagine that in that moment, the babysitter is freaked out. She showed it. When the radio came on, I'm surprised she wasn't halfway down the block already. But you could also imagine that the next day, when she's cooled down 
and she looks back on the day before, she would be thinking, what in the world was I so scared about? I know, one, that there, that all of this stuff couldn't have happened, and two, that there aren't actually pig men or pig people. So in that, like, that's very true for us in our lives. Not that we're going to be confronted with pig people, but that there are times often that we get caught up in emotion, that we get caught up in a moment where we take irrational thoughts and we, we, we use that to shape something that's not true. And I think that if you jump into the Bible, if you learn more about the Bible, you know that this is, this is an act of what Satan would do. This is an act of what the devil wants to do. He wants to give you an idea about who God is that is not who God is. That God is a king who would judge you, who doesn't care about you, and is waiting for you to do all of these right things. And only and if you do all of these right things, would you have eternity. But really, God is so much different than that. And until you learn about him and until you unpack a little bit about what he's done through stories, what he's done in the lives of others, maybe what he's done in your life, a lot of times we believe the lies because we don't know the truths yet. When in fact, God is so loving that he would give his son, that he would give the thing that he cherished the most just so you could have a way to spend eternity with him. And so in that, we jump in to the truths that we're going to look at through this series, and they all happen inside of the story of a man who was king of Judah, and his name was King Asa. And so if this king showed up today, and he'd, he'd have like this idea to share with us, and this, if you're writing this down, I encourage you to write this in your notes. He would say to us, I'm not helpless, but I'm often powerless, but God is more powerful than I think, and he invites me to connect to his power. So this is true for every one of us, and we're going to break this down. We're going to go line by line in each one of these things. And so first, we need to know about who King Asa is. So we're going to jump into the Bible. You can go ahead and grab your worship center, your cafe theater Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. If you have a Bible that's under your seat, it's on page 441. And so as you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about this person named Asa. He is the king of Judah. He has power. He has armies. He has riches. But he's a man who follows God. He's doing what God asked. He's building what God's asking him to build. He's tearing down what God's asking him to tear down. And he's faced with something that would seem impossible. And so we jump here in chapter 14, verse 8. We're learning that King Asa, he may, he's not helpless, but he may be powerless. So we look here, 14, 8. Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah, equipped with large shields and with spears, and 280,000 from Benjamin, armed with small shields and with bows. All of these were brave fighting men. So Asa is a king, kings show power, and his power is in his army, an army of 580,000 soldiers. That's half of Gwinnett County having shields and swords and bow and arrows. That's pretty awesome. But 
the thing with kings back in this time is that no matter how big your army was, kind of like us, no matter how nice or new or cool the thing you have, there's always someone that has something better. And so as we go on, King Asa looks that he's facing up against something that's pretty intimidating. In verse 9, Zerah the Cushite marked out, uh, marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots and came as far as Marishah. So here's Asa and here's this other man, Zerah. Now Asa has 580,000 in his army, but Zerah has over a million in his army. So you would look at that and you would say, well, that, that's great. This king has a lot of power, but there's this other guy who has, well, double the power. So Asa's not in this moment is he's not helpless. There are things that he can do. He can train. He can recruit more people. He can form alliances. I mean, this is like playing Clash of Clans all but back in the days when like people actually died over it. So he can do a lot of things to make himself stronger, but he is powerless because he's facing something that is so much more and so intimidating and so crippling that it looks like he has no chance. And so this is true for us in life, like not to the point of, of, of that, not to the point of facing fear of your life, but there are things that are going on in your world that you walk into every day and you think, I, I, I have help. Like, I could, I could ask for help. There are people around me who would probably give me help. There are things that I could do to maybe, um, maybe be better at this thing. But in the moment, I don't know what to do. I'm crippled by my fear. I'm crippled by my uncertainty. I have an irrational thought because what I think is true actually is not true. And so... We're not helpless. There's something we can do, but the circumstances are often beyond us. And we're powerless, especially in your lives when you have a storm. Like, it's super irrational. Because I remember when I was growing up, like, the thing to do in the summer where I was from was to go to, like, the local community pool. So I remember being, like, seven, eight years old, and our pool was awesome. Like, this is where everyone would go, and we had, like, this, we had two water slides at my community pool. And so one of the water slides went into the four-foot water. It was awesome, but it was almost like you weren't cool if you did that because everyone could do that. Then we had this other slide that was double the size and went into nine foot of water. And so being seven years old, I had the gumption to watch. I watched all my friends do it, and I said, I can do that. I want to be one of these guys who conquers my fear of going on this giant slide and surviving and telling the tale and then probably doing it like 100 more times because it was free and there was no line, and it was great. So the first time I went up, I climbed to the top of this slide, and I go down, and it's awesome. But here's the thing. I'm seven, and I hit the water, and it's nine feet and I go under, and I come back up, and I can't touch the ground, and I freak out. Like, I, I don't, I'm having a rational fear of what is going on. I am drowning. In that moment, to me, I am drowning, and all it took was just a helpless look, a powerless look to my lifeguard who was standing over me to jump in and save me. Now, in that moment, was I helpless? No, there was help. Help was there, but at that time, for me, 
I had no power. I was stuck. And it took someone coming to help me. It took someone coming to literally rescue me from drowning, so I thought, for me to be okay. And the truth is, it's just water, and, but I hate feeling powerless. And I hate when I'm in a situation where I get so overwhelmed that I don't know what to do. And usually the worst things come out of us when we're in those situations. And so if we look back in to King Asa's story, what does King Asa do when he finds himself in a tense moment that is potentially a battle that will ruin him, that will defeat him? The next part's in verse 11. Let's go there. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. So, so Asa is facing an army double his size, someone with double the power. And the first thing he does is he calls out to God. And he says, God, do not let these mere mortals, these are just people, and you are the king of kings. You are the God of eternity. Do not let these mere mortals stand up against you. Rather than doing anything else, the first thing he did was pray. Rather than doing anything else, the first thing he did was go to God and to seek help from a true king. And so why did he do that? It's simple, because God is more powerful than you think. That's the first thing I want you to write down. We wrote that down. But this is true, that God is more powerful than I think. So a little bit more about who King Asa is. He's the great, great grandson of King David from David and Goliath fame. You know, we might have heard of his works. He wrote all of those psalms that are in your Bible. So this is a man that comes from a lineage. He has, he has, he'd heard the stories of who God is and what God had done through his great, great grandfather, David. And so in Psalm 20, Asa already has a story that he knows is true about God. In Psalm 20, it says this, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. And so now, that's really easy to read and it's really easy to say that, yeah, when things are hard, I'm going to trust Jesus first. But it's a different thing to actually put that in action. And so this is what King Asa did in that moment. He prayed. He could have done a lot of things, but he worshiped. He prayed. He went to God first. And so the, the story continues as we go into verse 12 and 13. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. So it seems like his plan of calling on God first before anything else, it worked. And so I think if King Asa, if Asa was here, that he, he would say something to us that like, when, when I saw God, when he moved, when he provided, when I learned that God had more power than I could ever have thought, 
It's like that, it's that what was I thinking moment. It's that day after you see something incredible that paralyzes you. The day after the pig man incident. When you're like, man, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking clearly. For Asa, after he saw God do something that was impossible, he would be one to stand there and tell you that you might think this about God, but he's actually this. And so I think there's, there's probably something in your life that you've experienced, something that everyone around you might say, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, that's, that's an okay thing. But they've never actually experienced it or done it. Like, has anyone in here gone skydiving? Has anyone actually done that? So, like four of us, okay, that's good. A lot of smart people in this room, that's a scary thing. I don't want to be jumping out of planes. I don't even like riding in planes. So, what? I've never been on a plane? In a, all right, we'll talk about that later. So, guys, stay with me. Stay with me. If you experience something that is incredible, and then you go to tell someone about it, and they're like, oh, that's not that cool. Well, it's probably because they haven't experienced that thing. Like, I would imagine if you've been skydiving, for instance, and someone says, oh, no, skydiving is all hype. It's not really that cool. It's just, you know, you jump out of a plane. But if you've been, you're like, no, listen, that's the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, that's an awesome thing. And I want to tell you about it because your idea, what you think about it is wrong, that it's so much better. And so that's what Asa is living. That's what Asa is experiencing in his life that that he thought maybe that God was one thing first, and then he saw God move in a way that was so impossible that his idea about who God is was changed. And so this, these events resulted in 35 years of peace. Like this army, the Cushite army getting conquered by this smaller army resulted in peace and prosperity for Judah. And he learned in that moment that God is more powerful, so he prayed. That's what he should do. And so that brings us to the final line that we're going to look at, that God invites me to connect to his power. So here's the question. Here's the question for us. How would I live? How would I live? How would you live if you knew that God had that much power? If you had seen it as evidence in your life? I think there's a lot of things in your life that currently are messing you up that you would say, listen, that's not a big deal because God is more powerful than I think. There are relationships that you have. There are, for some of you, there are milestone tests that are happening. Like, but if you really believed, if you really believed that God is as big and as powerful as he is, then you would walk with a brand new confidence into these things in your life that are meant to derail you. You would walk into situations in your life that are supposed to be scary and intimidating, but if you knew that you had the power of God on your side who is so much bigger than you can imagine, if you knew that that was with you, you would walk with confidence instead of with fear. Guys, stay with me. God is more powerful than we think, and he invites us to connect he doesn't just want to be a powerful God who sits back and rules. 
He wants to be a powerful God who gives you the power, who brings his power to your side, that if you fight for him, if you fight in your life to make time for God and to seek after God and to worship God, especially corporately when we're together, if you fight for those times and you say, I'm not going to let anything remove this from me. If you fight for those times with God, he will fight for you, just like he fought for Asa. I can remember growing up in a broken house. Like, I remember, bro- I remember my story, and if you were here last summer, I told a little bit about my story of I remember living the time when my parents were separating and when my parents got divorced and then when all of the sudden I had two homes. I know what that's like. And I remember, I remember being in that time of my life thinking that there is so much that is tearing me down. There is so much that is coming at me that I can't handle it. And I chose to believe that God was not more powerful than that situation And so it caused me to fall into a dark place. It caused me to make decisions in my life that if God was on my side, if I believed who God is and knew of his power, I would have chosen differently. I would have had different thoughts and different confidence walking in to the mess that was happening around me. And that can happen for you. It seems impossible. I mean, it's a story of a million and a half people with swords and shields that are fighting. But the truth in that The truth in that is real for you. That I remember what it's like being 12, being 13, being 14, and life is hard. It's hard. It's about to get harder for them. (laughs) But life's hard when you're this age. I get it. But guys, stay with me. Do not, lose, do not lose this. Do not lose this. Stay together. Stay together. Life is not easy. And hopefully, 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 you've, got to, you've, you've been blessed enough to live an easy life so far. But it's not. And there will be things in your life, there will be choices that you make that will make it harder. There will be situations that, you cho- that you're stuck in. You feel like, I, I don't know how to get out of this. That I, I, the only thing that is standing in front of me is a storm. The only thing that is in front of me is something that wants to tear me down. But there is so much truth in knowing that God is more powerful than that thing. For some of you guys, it's your home life. Your home life is a mess. You hate being there. You don't like your dad. You may not know your dad. You don't like your mom. 
You may, you may not like your siblings. You may, feel like, you may feel like the things that are happening at school, you're being bullied. And it makes you go home and it makes you hate the life that you're living. But I tell you this, that the same God who delivered Asa from an impossible feat is the same God that fights for you. That he is more powerful than you think. And that in those moments, the connection that he's given us is prayer, is worship, is going after him, is seeking him, finding him, and having him on your side. And so how would your life look different if you believed that God was more powerful? And so what does it, like to, what does it look like? Just real quick. And these are practical things that I want to encourage you to do this week. What does it look like for me, for you to connect to God this week? Maybe it's a time where you start your day by praying. I don't know if you do this, and I get it. It's hard to get up in the morning. But if you start your day with prayer, you're starting it in a brand new way. Maybe it's to worship God in a difficult time rather than, rather than going to a place that, is, uh, that, that, that feels defeated. Maybe you worship God. Maybe you celebrate him. Or maybe it's something that we're going to have an opportunity to do right now. Maybe it's stepping out of a fear that you've been holding on to because you've not believed that you've had any way out. You've not believed that they're, the thing that is tying you down could be defeated. But it can. And so here's what I want us to do. Go ahead, just where you're at, go ahead and close your eyes. We're going to pray together. And so I don't need anyone looking around in this room. This is a time between you and God. You're not talking right now. You're not messing with someone else right now. This is a time between you and God. I'd like to say a prayer, especially if you're in this room and you're in the middle of something that's a mess. Life is a mess. Something's hard. There are things in your life that are not what you want them to be. You wished it was easier. But there's a battle that's happening right now. There's a storm that's happening right now. And tonight you would be truthful enough to say, I need God's power in this because I don't know how I'm going to do this on my own. And so if that's you, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm just gonna ask you to pray with me. And it's intimidating. I, I get it. Like, we, we think that when we go to prayer, like we're supposed to have these words that make sense. We're supposed to use long words and beautiful words that we're supposed to say the right thing. Otherwise, God won't receive it. But that's not true. The same as you talk to anyone. If you would approach God with your heart open, the posture of your heart changed to a place of receiving what he has, it's the same as you would talk to your friends or your family or people that you love. That's who God is. He wants you to be yourself. You don't have to come as something different. So if you're in this room and you would say, God, I need some power in this area of my life, then I want to pray for you. 